Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Scott Schimmel. He is the president and chief guide at U-School, a business dedicated to helping people discover themselves and build a plan for their future. U-School has developed an awesome reputation for helping people to find, define, and unleash their true selves. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Scott. Hey, thanks for having me. Can you talk a little bit about your background and how you ended up starting U-School? I spent 10 years working with college kids. And the real intent of what I was doing with that organization was, can we shape their hearts and minds while they're in this funnel of college university system for a few years so that wherever they go out into the world, education, law, business, whatever, that they have both kind of the internal character, but also the skills and tools to make an impact. And uh, so I was so focused on that, so focused on, quote unquote, reaching college kids and developing them and mentoring them. One of the things I think I forgot about was the end result, <laughs> the point of the organization, the point of the work, which was that they would be mid to late 20s, early 30s, and et cetera, and uh, impacting culture and organizations and neighborhoods in the world. So for some reason, I don't know why, but I didn't think about that for about nine years. Uh, I just was so focused on the, the task at hand, the work at hand. And in the middle of the night, I just had this almost panic attack thinking about the students that I had known that had come and gone through a program that were now graduated from top schools out in the world. And, and in my head, I couldn't think of any of them that were doing well in life. And so I wanted to make sure I, I wasn't a total failure and uh, ended up tracking down 400 alumni from this program that I was running uh, who were now you know, all across the world, late 20s, early 30s. And at first, I just wanted to ask them how they're doing. But as, they, as I interviewed them and caught up with them, what I heard was, uh, to me, was really shocking. What I heard was um, all but three of them tell me exactly the same story, which sounded something like, hey, thanks for checking in. I, you know, I haven't been really doing well since college, and meaning I, I'm pretty lonely. I don't really have a group of friends. Uh, I'm bored. I'm pretty disengaged from the things that matter to me, and uh, and I hate what I do for a living, and I don't really know what to do next. And so Taking those, you know, after 100 of those conversations, 200, 300, 400, um, just started to realize that there's some major themes here and major problems, I think, with the, you call it the system or the way things happen. And um, the way I describe it in shorthand is if you're in high school, if you're a high school kid and you don't, uh, you know, know yourself, you don't really know what to do with your life, um, I think the collective wisdom would say, don't worry about it, just go off to school, go off to a college. And, uh, and, and somehow in that environment, you'll stumble upon yourself and you'll find out not just who you are, but also what to do. And uh, when, you're, when you're a college senior, I don't know if you remember this, I remember going back to home for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of a sudden everyone's asking you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you graduate? And, and I think most of the time the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, the, the collective wisdom then kicks in again and says, well, that's okay. Uh, just go get a job. And what I was listening to people who were five, 10 years into their career were saying that, uh, you know, I haven't found myself yet. I've been through a couple of careers already. I've been through a couple uh, companies and jobs and I'm still lost, maybe even more lost than I was when I was 18 years old going into college. So with that as like a, a major problem, I think the hypothesis we developed six, seven years ago is what if there was a way 
to get clear about who you are and make a plan for your life at a young age. And you didn't have to wait 10 to 20, 30 years till maybe a midlife crisis before you really, really wanted to figure it out. What if there was a way? And if there was, what, what would it be? And, and, and we can talk more about this if you want, but I think there's already a lot of, uh, a lot of approaches out there to help people find themselves as a very broad term. Um, but nothing that we were seeing was really, I don't know, effective. I didn't see anything that, um, that, that you could look at and say, there it is. There's the process. So there's something about self-discovery. There's something about questions and conversations and, and, and finding a team of advisors around you. Um, and seven years ago, come up with a curriculum, a program, um, really an experience for people who are in transition, a season of transition, like high school to college. Uh, college to career, working out with veterans and even athletes who were coming out of the sport, um, developed a, pr a process for them to get clear about really important things in their life. And so now we've worked with, I think, over 15,000 people, uh, mostly in San Diego, we are in Southern California, but now around the world, help them find out who they are and what it means to live a life that's meant for them. If, so if somebody's listening to this and they feel like they're lost. I guess the first question I have is, how does somebody recognize that they're out of alignment? And then my next question is, if they feel like they are out of alignment, then what is the process that you guys developed in order to help somebody figure out who they are? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard to answer that first question. I think it's just something you know, especially if you're being honest. And And, and I'll be the first to admit, when I'm not when I'm not in sync, when I'm not aligned to who I am, usually what I do is uh, create more noise in my life. So it's kind of quiet that. Uh, so I'll work harder or I'll get a new hobby or I'll triple down in my desire to become like a better golfer or something or I'll start reading, you know, just anything to kind of get that negative energy, that discomfort out of me. But I think I think most people, especially when a, when a trusted friend asks uh, I think most people would admit, I just, you know, I just know this isn't it. And, and that's, uh, I think, with, with the idea of transition, um, sometimes transition is like these, you know, these seasons that are forced upon you, like graduating high school or college or getting fired from a job or something. But I think a lot of times transition, a season of transition, it happens to the sense that you're talking about. It's, it's just this deeper, I don't know, experience, feeling a sense that this isn't working, life isn't working this way. And so what, what we found to be really helpful is, uh, I think typically when people sense that transition coming, sense that I, I have to leave, I have to change, a lot of people, I think that the human tendency is to go downwards almost, um, meaning to like focus on the small decisions. And the small decisions would be like someone who's really not enjoying their job and, and they don't, you know, just the feelings of discomfort are increasing and they feel like they have to get out of there. And so the small decision is to go online and start looking for open jobs somewhere else. And anyone who's ever done that, I think we've all done that. It's a miserable experience to do that. It's like it just gets worse because, you, you know, you see these flat two dimensional job descriptions that you're not qualified for and it looks awful. And so what we try to do, I think what's helpful is actually to pull people upwards when they're in that transition when in that, in that season and help them think about really big, important questions. And so we've, we've been talking about six really important questions in life. Um, number one, who am I? 
Uh, two, what do I believe in? The third one is what kind of person do I want to be? Third is what's my mission? Uh, and and we don't talk much about purpose actually on uh, with with intentionality behind it. We talk about mission. What's the next problem I'm going to chase after and try to solve? Uh, fifth is how can I contribute? What do I have to contribute? And the sixth is who do I belong to? And the process we've designed is for someone to get clarity about their answers to those questions in this stage of life, in this season. Uh, but the process involves quite a bit of self-reflection and and thinking and writing, uh, thinking about these questions that really matter. And not just those six questions, but there's like 40 to 60 questions underneath each one of those. And then, um, and then a framework of having conversations, sharing the stuff you're thinking about in response to those questions with people that you trust. Um, picture like a board of advisors around you, 360 degrees, like friends, maybe someone in your family, someone professionally that you look up to, um, and, and someone maybe aspirationally that uh, that has mentored you in the past, um, and to share this stuff with them and get their feedback, not only what they think about you, but also how they think about those questions, those big life questions. And in the iteration of that process, what we find is people get to a lot of clarity. And then when it's time to go back to those small decisions, like job postings and resume writing and interviewing or and for the listeners, for you guys, maybe it's a conversation at a restaurant with with us with someone you haven't uh, known before. Um, I'm able to do that with a sense of clarity and confidence behind it because I know who I am. I know what matters to me. I'm, I know where I'm headed. I know who I belong to. And and so it's been a process that we've seen that, that really works when people take the time to invest in themselves in that way. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. What are some of the things that you've seen people do when they once they've gone through this process? That's one question. And the second question I have is, you said there's a lot of reflection when somebody enters or gets involved with you school. What like what does that process look like? Well, yeah, I'll talk about that first. The process uh, there's kind of two ways. One, um, oftentimes the way we work with people is uh, is live face to face. So it can be in a one on one coaching environment. So sitting down at Starbucks for a series of uh, sessions once a week over a series of weeks. Uh, oftentimes it's face-to-face in a group setting. So veteran organizations, uh, teams, sports teams, schools, uh, even even uh, teams inside companies. We'll send a guide in, one of our facilitators who's trained to run this process. And then over a series of weeks, usually uh, the, the classic would be once a week for eight weeks, uh, we're having... We're, we're encouraging them to sit down, pen and paper, write things down. It's a printed out workbook and it's just open-ended questions. And then giving time and space to think about these things, talk about them with peers, listen to this guide, share openly, vulnerably about their own lives. And then in between those sessions, go off and share this stuff with your advisors. So that's that's the live setting. We also have this uh, digital version we launched recently and with the idea um, that there are people that call from around the world that we wouldn't be able to meet with face-to-face. Um, and we want to be able to offer this because it does work. And so digitally, it's uh, the, the guide is now a series of videos. Uh, it's usually me sharing open uh, stories, vulnerable stories that are relevant to these different topics about your life. And then it's inviting you to take the time and space to uh, write about yourself and answer these questions. But then it facilitates that you would share with advisors, and um, and 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 essentially the the next exercise won't be unlocked for you. 
until and unless you go and sit down face to face with these people that you trust and share with them. And so whether it's a digital environment or face to face, we know that it's it's um, it's equally important to spend time on your own as it is with uh, sharing face to face with friends and getting that feedback and affirmation and clarity from them. And I think one story, uh, your other question, I think uh, sticks out to me. There's there's a gentleman that was coming out of the uh, out of the military. It was about two years ago, and um, coming out of his retirement age, so late 40s, had a couple of kids, had a phenomenal career in the military, and up, upon the a couple of months before separating from from military service, uh, he, his orientation was, I just need to get a job that pays well. That's it. Don't care what it is. I can do anything. Um, I'm the kind of person who can grind. And so I just need to take care of my family, need to find the job. And in our process, uh, which he didn't really want to do, uh, but he had signed up to be a part of this transition program we were working with, uh, we were asking him other questions. And he just was like, how do I write a resume? Tell me how to do that. And we're like, well, before you get there, let's let's take you around the track a few times and think about what matters to you and what do you believe in. And, and he reluctantly engaged in the process, not necessarily in a deep level at first, but he was watching his peers engage and really think about these things as an opportunity to rethink life. And, um, and a lot of the times with veterans, we say uh, the great story of your life doesn't have to be behind you. It could be in front of you as well. And so towards the end of this process, he was still reluctant, but then he was doing the work. And uh, one of the last conversations we had with him before our program ended, it was really not me as his guide. It was his uh, peer set that turned on him and said, what do you want? Uh, what do you want with your life? What do you want to do? Not not just quit telling us you just want a high paying job. What do you want? What do you love? What what do you want your life to be about? And he just, you know, first he's like, come on, guys, just kind of back up. Leave me alone. And then he went with it and he started to share that he loves he loves cars and he loves automobiles and he loves the racing industry. And that's but that's such a pipe dream. He didn't want to really pursue that because it's it felt too maybe sacred to him or too vulnerable for him. And so all of his peers are like, dude, well, okay, why don't you pursue that? And then he started to talk about his family and how he had grown up in the Midwest. And he he is now living on the coast. And just the values were not aligned to what he and his wife cared about. And so um, uh, I think it's probably one of my favorite stories that I've heard of people going through youth school because he decided, he and his wife decided to move back to the Midwest before he got the job uh, be, because that mattered to them. And it, and it was more important that their kids would be raised around family and in the Midwest values than it was for him to get a high paying job. So he took an incredible risk. And then when we went back to the Midwest, he was now with this sense of empowerment to go and, and chase down perhaps the racing industry. And so he kind of meets a friend who introduces him to another person and finds himself sitting down with the CEO of the Indianapolis Speedway. And this, I mean, it's like the pinnacle would be, I don't know, the World Cup for soccer players. It's like, it's the biggest thing in the planet. And I remember the voicemail he sent me afterwards, just giddy. And he's saying, Scott, you're not going to believe it. Like, I had, I had no idea what we're, what I was going to do for a living. And all of a sudden, I'm coming out of, I'm walking out of this uh, this conversation. And the guy offered me a job. I'm now the, the VP of special projects for the Indy 500. He's like, I don't even know what that job means, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have a job in the racing industry. And my fam and it just was like, you know, the right, and this doesn't happen for everybody, obviously, but for him to design a future 
and get clear about who he is and what his family wants to be about, the kind of dad he wants to be. He saw things fall into place in a really extraordinary way. So that's the kind of stuff we're going for. It's not just career success or even relationship success. It's it's the entire package. It's you living well. Uh, and everyone's version and definition of that is is quite unique to them. Yeah, I mean, it's such an absolutely awesome story. It made me think of a few things. I, I think so many of us, and I'm going to include myself in this because I think there's points in my life that I do this as well. We sort of see things that are sort of close to us. I, I'm going to use a story of a friend of mine as an example because she might be a better example. So uh, it's my friend's wife and she became a nurse. And I asked my buddy, I said, why does she want to become a nurse? And he goes, really? It's because her sister is a nurse. Uh, a couple of our other friends are nurses. It's like it was the thing that's the most obvious, right? Like you see this with um, there's a couple of Chinese restaurants in my, in my neighborhood. Somebody opens a Chinese restaurant and then some of the people work for them. Their dream is also to own a Chinese restaurant or, or their brother or sister is done. Chi- like it, it's true about sort of almost any type of yeah. business, right? Like the I started a podcast. Exactly. I started a <laughs> podcast and then I have half a dozen friends who are like, Oh, I want to start a podcast. <laughs> Not that they know anything about podcasts, right. but like because I I was able to do it, it becomes achievable. Because somebody's brother was able to start a business in an industry, it becomes more achievable, right? And 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 so this is something I think that's really common. It's super hard to stretch the way that this guy stretched. Right? He stretched like he had this idea in his head of something he thought that he may, might want to do. He doesn't. He probably doesn't know for sure right now. It's sort of a fantasy, but there's no way to no unless he tests it in this case he moves across the country he has to make contacts in an industry that uh he doesn't know anybody i mean it's such a stretch for a lot of people if somebody is one i want to say like i really admire the fact that he was willing to take that that risk i mean i think that some of us more than others take these risks i know like for example moving to new york and going to school when i grew up in california and never thought i was going to college like that was a huge stretch for me, but we, we don't always have that the bandwidth where we can do this all the time. So I just want to say, like, I really admire when people do that, right? Because it's not something that's very common. But the other thing I want to acknowledge is not everybody is in a position where they're able, they're able to do this. I know with, when I started Craft of Charisma, I was in college and I spent probably the first two or three years crashing on couches in order to try to become an entrepreneur because I didn't have family money. I didn't have somebody who was an entrepreneur as a mentor. So if somebody's in this situation, they're listening to this and they're like, I really want, I don't know, they want, I want this job. I want to be in this type of relationship or I want like they're, they're stretching really far. What do you, what do you tell them? I think, well, I think what you're hitting on to a lot of people, I'd say majority of people feel stuck in the story that they're living with their lives and, uh, and the story is, is, is kind of the metaphor that we use for the work that we do. And for instance, even to take that further, uh, you might have a dad who's in a career. And, and uh, for me, my dad, I was in accounting and never sat me down and said, hey, you need to go into accounting. It's what we do in this family. <laughs> but I got the message that that would please him and that'd be a, a respectable career. And so I wanted to be affirmed. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to have an identity. I liked the. I liked his story. It's a. It was a good story, um, and I didn't feel like I could explore other things. 
like my hidden dream was to be a high school English teacher, but I got the sense from the rest of my family, if I were to do that as the dad and leader of the household kind of thing, that it wouldn't provide enough and it wouldn't be respectable enough. Uh, so I think a lot of people get stuck in a story that's been passed down to them. And sometimes it's, it's a really like aspirational story. Hey, uh, in our family, we're attorneys or we're all doctors, or you can be an engineer or business person. It's up to you, but you have to be something professional like that. But sometimes a lot of people get stuck in a negative story where they get a message, whether it's from their parents or from their, their uh, broader family at large or from the community, like you're not going anywhere. People from here don't, don't do that. Um, and so I think, how do you get the courage to do that? I think it, uh, it only comes from when you can see a vision of a different kind of story that is compelling enough that helps you both um, uh, have the courage and the gumption to actually chase after something new. But it's not just in the dream of that. It's, it's also in the step-by-step -step process to get there. Because it's, you know, it's, it's cool to have a dream, but if you don't know what to do next, it doesn't quite matter. It actually might frustrate you even more. And back to the importance of having advisors who can give you advice. And as you're articulating this new story that's different from your family or from your community or um, from the kinds of people that you are, and you get clear and clear, yes, that is me. That's the real me out there somewhere. Then I think it's the people around you that can both affirm that and encourage that, but also ground you to say, so what would you have to do next? What, what does it look like to take the next step towards that? And, um, and that's not, it is not easy. And most of the time when people articulate a new story, it comes at, at, at a considerable cost. I think mostly it comes from people around them who um, are, are people that they shouldn't trust and shouldn't have a voice in their life are the ones that start speaking up and saying, hey, that's not what we do. That's not, that's not who you are. Um, you are, and then put them back, try to put them back in a story that doesn't fit because it's more comfortable for them if everyone else is miserable along the way too. And so it is just, it is not easy. Um, but I, but I, what we see is in this iterative process, it can't just be a moment. It can't just be a raw, raw moment where you think I'm going to change everything. And then you get snapped back pretty quickly. That's why it has to be a longer process so that when you get through this thing, it's like, no, I am, I am, sh I'm certain deep down in my bones that this is right for me. And I know what the next step is. And I'm going to keep going even when the feedback says I shouldn't. Sometimes I use this story when, I, when I'm coaching. And people come into our classes or they're thinking about considering our classes. And their friends are giving them a hard time about it or they're nervous to tell their friends. And I said, you know, that's, that's a normal thing. I mean, imagine if we were all hunting with spears, right? And somebody comes along and they're like, I'm going to tie this sort of this string to this stick and I'm going to shoot these uh, spears through the air and then I'm going to shoot things. <laughs> and I mean, it sounds like if you think about it that way, from that perspective, it sounds sort of outrageous. And if like, let's say somebody wants to do that, it's normal for a community to, in my, my opinion, it's normal for a community to try to get that person to get their head out of the clouds and, and go back to doing what works doing what they've tested, what they've proven, what they know puts food on the table, what protects them, allows them to survive and has allowed them to survive as a group or as a family. But what people will try to do is they'll try to put that person, in our example, the bow and arrow guy, they're going to try to put him back in his place, 
right? Because it protects the organism. It protects the, the group. And it's not until the person with the bow and arrow guy starts having significantly more success than everybody around him that the group sort of restructures, right? Because it, it has to do with it has to do with survival. And in my opinion, it has to do with hierarchy. When the person's trying to use the bow and arrow, they're sort of, and they're not having much success. They're trying to figure it out. They're at the bottom of the hierarchy. Everyone's giving a hard time trying to, to get them to conform back into their place. Right. And if it doesn't work, then they're going to tell you, I told you so or whatever. But if it does work, well, let's say this person is twice as successful as using the bow and arrow then what's going to happen is the group is going to suddenly you're going to start getting people copying uh, the person with bow and arrow. Everyone's going to be trying to develop their own bow and arrow, which sort of is what's happening with uh, in the example I used earlier of the Chinese restaurant or my friend who ha- ha- became a nurse. But what will happen is the whole dynamic shifts and suddenly the person who developed this new technique and made it successful has immensely more success than everybody around them and has this increased sort of status and value in the group. And so there's a lot of benefits if you are the person who starts a new business or follows their dreams and is able to achieve them. Yeah, there is a lot of benefit, but there's also an immense amount of pressure to not change because as you said, you described it as story. I'm describing it as sort of this example of the silly story, but how does somebody break out of that? Because it really is a hard thing to do. It is. Culture is powerful. And most of the time, I don't think we even understand the culture that we're in. We're not sure what the voices are or what the themes are. Um, and, but again, I think it goes back to getting a different vision. And we've had the opportunity to work quite a bit in inner city environments, especially with teenagers. And... Um, and that's an interesting place because it's it's tempting it's tempting to go in and say with this message this kind of bravado message you guys could do anything you put your mind to but i think it's extremely naive because the systems and the culture is is profoundly strong and at odds with somebody doing whatever they want to do and so it's not just this it would it's tempting it'd be tempted just to give them some false hope um or or to try to rah rah them and recognize that, um, or not recognize that there's some forces at work. There's, there's schools really in inner city don't get budget priority. They really often don't get the best leaders. They don't, you know, um, uh, they don't get exposure to things like internships. And um, so how do you n- not just give them false hope, but still walk alongside them and help them to see something that could be true about their future? And that's, I think, why. It's important for people like our guides to be people who have been there and done that, people that have come from a community like that and taken extraordinary measures to change the path and trajectory of their lives. And then very openly uh, and humbly share about that and not a rags to riches. Well, I decided to go to Stanford and I got into Stanford and then I started a business and I had, you know, millions of people following me. It's not. Those stories aren't helpful. I want to hear. I think. I think people who are stuck in those communities want to hear some real life person that's kind of like me, who had a lot against them, and took step by step to get there, and hear about how many setbacks they had, and yet they kept going, and yet they kept um, risking, and yet they kept pursuing, and then are now on the other side. 
Um, so we, we often look for people that are willing to see that their story isn't an anomaly. They didn't just get lucky, but that they have an opportunity to share that. And that could have um, extraordinary impact on other people to help them see what's possible for their lives. I'm thinking about a friend of mine who I grew up with and I grew up in an agricultural area in California and his parents are both field workers and he spent years of his life taking care of his parents because he was the youngest child and he sort of fell on his, his lap and he felt obligated to his parents to take care of them. And so he's never really left the farm town he grew up in. And so he has a really hard time even imagining what he might want to do, let alone the things that he's capable of doing. He just like he can't see it. It's like a Plato's allegory in the cave, right? Um, it, it like in his case, he he's never had the exposure in order to have sort of like this vision that it sounds like you're describing. The only thing the only thing he's done actually, he got into real estate and he struggled for probably the last decade doing it. And I told him recently, I said, look, maybe this is just not you, right? Like you're fighting and fighting and fighting against some of these things that you would need to do on a daily basis to become successful. And you've never been able to do them. Instead, you continue to try to force yourself into fit, to fit something you that, that maybe isn't the right fit. And I started talking about the idea of survival of the fittest, right? And, and I used to always think of survival as of the fittest as like, it's the fittest, like it's the strongest, right? It's, maybe there's an element of that, but I also heard somebody describe recently, well, it's, no, it's the best fit for the environment, right? Like you could have the healthiest fish, but if you have him flopping around on the desert, he's not going to do very well. And so I told him maybe you're struggling in this world, not because you need to change, but because this is a bad fit for you. And what you need to do is figure out what is a good fit for you. But he, he doesn't have the, the experiences to even think about possibilities. And he, he brought that up. He's like, look, man, like, I mean, we might have started in a place that's not that far apart. He goes, but you live on the other side of the world from me in his mind and in this big city. And you've seen a lot of stuff. And when I talk to you, I can hear it's changed you and it's changed your perspective and your, your perception of the world. So if somebody's having trouble or they don't have that vision, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. How do they develop it? Well, it's, I think it's also so much more than just a career path. I think it's, for instance, um, what does it look like to be a dad that's really present? What does it, what does it look like to be a husband? that's really engaging with his wife and kids. Like it's the ability to see things that you might've never seen before. And so on one hand, I think so much of the responsibility is on uh, those ahead of us. I think of, so I'm a parent, I have three kids and, and I understand that my wife and I and how we live our lives and how we demonstrate and model it for our kids is by far the most important thing. But it's also extremely, incredibly important that their teachers and their coaches are like that too. They get that. That they're, my son's going to start middle school. I, you know, I hope and pray that his algebra teacher doesn't just see their job as to teach him algebra. I hope they see that it's part of their job also to open up their lives to them and show them what it looks like to be an adult. And I want my kids to be able to see multiple examples of healthy living amongst my friends, their aunts and uncles, their coaches and teachers, because they're, they're, um, the way I do it is probably not going to fit them. 
Um, and, and so I want them to be able to see, oh, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to live out, uh, let's say, a faith like that. That's what it looks like to be an engaged neighbor. Uh, that's what it looks like. So, um, if, so back to your question, if you don't have that, I think go look for it. I, that's the power of role models. That's the power of YouTube. That's the power of uh, making friends with people, taking the initiative. That's the power of asking different kinds of questions. And one of the most helpful things that I've ever done is as I've sought out mentors, uh, I never really said that to people. Hey, do you want to mentor me? But I would, I just take initiative. Hey, um, can I take it at, take it at coffee sometime? Or do you want to play tennis sometime? Like I'd just be very, uh, uh, I'd, I'd take initiative with them. But uh, what I was trying to watch, what I, what I want to know is what are you like? What do you like as a leader in a company? What do you like as a husband, as a father? So take the initiative to look to, to do that read biographies um, be curious about people and how they live what they're like and i think it could be just as helpful to examine someone's life that you don't want to be like as it is to examine someone's life that you do because it can help you triangulate oh that's dude i don't want to be that i don't want to be that kind of dad i don't want to be that kind of uh husband i don't want to be that kind of friend and um and then to, to provide you some clarity and definition of which means I want to be this kind of friend if, if I don't want to be that. So um, it's up to you. I think that's part of it. That's a that's a huge part of it. It is up to you if you don't have the vision to find it, to go pursue it. And it's possible. It's not just this thing you wait for the clouds to part. It's a process you can go through with a series of questions and conversations and you can get clarity. Dating coach Chris Thoney here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website, Craft Charisma Live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, I think that's absolutely awesome. And I'm glad you brought in this out because it's easy sort of to get pigeonholed on a topic, even though there's a lot more behind it. So I'm glad that you did that because there were other things that I was thinking, although I've, I've used a few examples of careers. I thought about our clients and I thought about relationships, for example. Oftentimes, men think that they're looking for something and then they go out there and they get it and they realize, well, I'm not totally happy, right? And so they're not really sure what it is that they really want. They're sort of looking for what society wants or what they think their community wants them to get, right? And so I see that a lot with relationships instead of listening to oneself and figuring out who, what do I need for my, like a partner and, and their partner doing the same, they sort of like are dating what they think society wants for them. 
and and molding themselves into sort of what society wants them instead of expressing themselves fully. So I see that in relationships. I see this with masculinity, right? And so this comes up. This has been sort of a hot topic for a while now. But guys are trying to – you have young guys are trying to figure out what does it mean to be masculine. And so they conform to things that they see in the mainstream media. And now they're starting to get pushback from that because women are saying, well, we don't like this. Right. This is not this is not what we're looking for. And and I I don't know and in a lot of ways, this is sort of a, these ideas in certain ways are still young in the sense that we don't know what I mean, we have ideas maybe of what people thought were masculine two thousand years ago from stories, but we don't have the bombardment of images that we get when we watch a, a film or we're watching te- television, right? And so ideas like I mean, vulnerability or being sensitive or being aware are, are generally not things that we associate with strength in modern media, right? And so, but that doesn't mean that that was always the case. There's a lot of great artists and men who are very sensitive uh, throughout throughout history, and we can still see their work, but we don't get to see what they're like on a, a day-to-day basis because we don't get to see. So like, it's really interesting because this pops up in lots of different ways. The second thing I thought about um, other than sort of these different types of models, I, I was thinking about whether you, you love him or hate him. I, I went to Obama's inauguration. The first one, a friend of mine from college invited me and she had extra tickets and she goes, you want to go? And I was like, sure. And so I went to the, his inauguration on, on the way to the inauguration. I, I read dreams of my father and, and he's struggling with the exact same things that you're talking about, right? He didn't have a very good dad. Um, he's trying to understand his own history and what made his dad tick, partially so that he could become a better father. And, and I would argue that wh- whether you love his love or hate his politics, the guy's a pretty good dad, right? He seem, seems to have developed some pretty healthy, emotionally healthy kids, and people like to beat him up from time to time in the internet because they're young and they're making everyday mistakes. But they seem to be, from what I've seen, I think he's he seems to to be developing some pretty extraordinary human beings. And as a father, he seems like a good husband. He seems yeah. to be engaged and in love with his wife. And I agree, there's qualities about who he is that are worth emulating and exploring and reflecting on for sure. And he didn't have that necessarily have that model. I guess he, to a certain extent, maybe his grandfather fit that. But it's really interesting because in the book, he explores this. And so what I'm saying that I'm well, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because if you're listening to this. Every single human being, I'm using that one example because it made me think of it, but I could use lots of uh, examples of my life or uh, or my friends' lives, but this is a normal process. We don't always have the mentors that we need or we don't always have, I mean, I was asking the question, how do you develop them? You hear some great examples of reading biographies, I think reading books, reading other people's stories, getting out of the house, meeting people, joining organizations, joining clubs. If you can travel, if you can't, don't have the money to travel, find organizations that will allow you to travel. The first time I went to New York City, I was in college and it was because uh, my student government, I got involved in student government and they flew me out here. The first time I went to DC was because I had volunteered on a political campaign and some woman gave me a scholarship and sent me to DC. And uh, so there, there are organizations that will allow you to travel and experience different people and different cultures. Volunteer work is awesome. Um, there's like so many, so many different things, so many different ways that you can go out and start getting these experiences, right? So, yeah, they're available to you. There's a lot of programs, resources. There's, I mean, podcasts are free. I mean, there's, yeah. So if you, 
If you want change, you can have it. <laughs> you can be exposed. You can learn. You can get a vision. I think that's a, a, a key part to what you're saying there. It is possible. It's up to you, though. I, I agree. My, my next question, though, is if people are, if they want personal mentors, you've mentioned a few times this group of advisors. How does somebody go out and develop those advisors? Because if you're growing up in an environment where you don't have the type of people that you feel like you need in order to mentor you, and maybe you're a little bit more introverted, this is really, really fucking hard for you. Yeah. Right. How, what, what does yeah. somebody do? Yeah, I, rarely does it go well, I think, the idea of mentoring. And for a lot of reasons, that could be a whole other episode. But um, I think one on one side, it is getting clearer for yourself about who you are. I think it's not helpful when you approach a potential mentor and you just sit there and wait for them to magically do something to you. It doesn't go well um, because most people don't know how to mentor. They don't know how to ask questions. They don't know how to come alongside you. They don't know exactly what to share about their lives. So on one hand, I think it's doing some reflection, getting started on yourself and getting some clarity about, hey, this is this is what I'm thinking about. And I want to share that with you and get your thoughts, get your thoughts for you, but also maybe get your thoughts on how I'm thinking and approaching this. That's one of the ways and one of the core reasons why we designed the program that we've designed so that we can give people the structure and the scaffolding to have conversations like that. So. I actually think someone who's introverted or more shy is going to probably uh, have a better experience with a mentor uh, because, and this is obviously generalization, introverts tend to listen better and they tend to appreciate and enjoy one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations more. Um, so uh, they're going to be more thoughtful with how they approach that. Um, I understand how uncomfortable it is. I think it's uncomfortable for anybody, introvert or extrovert to be vulnerable, which is what you're doing when you're pursuing advice from a mentor. It's like, it's, it's just by definition, this is vulnerable. You might hurt me. You might say something that wounds me. You might criticize me. So recognizing that you are vulnerable, do what you can to make it go better. Share some of your thoughts first, um, sit and digest with what they said afterwards, parse out what you want to take from what they said and, or not. Um, but to identify at least one person that you know that um, isn't necessarily have to be super successful, but I think it's somebody that when you see them and have interacted with them, there's something inside you that thinks, hmm, I like, I like who they are. I, I like what they're, I like how they are. I like what they do. I like the way in which they interact with them. So it's, it's more the attraction to, I kind of want to be around that person. I kind of want to, be like that person. Um, that's a good sign. And I believe no matter where you're coming from, that there are people like that and they don't have to be 10, 20, 50 years down the road. They might be a peer. I mean, I've got, I've got friends of mine that are, I'm sure you do too, are my go-to people when I'm thinking about stuff because I, they have wisdom. I, I appreciate them. I, I like how they think. Um, and they're not, I wouldn't say they're mentors to me, and that's why actually we use the 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 phrase advisor. It um it can be more of a universal term. And I think I think some people are like, I don't know about having a mentor, having someone tell me what to do, but yeah, I'll, I'll listen to someone's advice. I'll I'll heed their wisdom. I'll listen to it and digest it. So um, but again, it's back to you. Um, unfortunately, most people, in my experience, aren't reaching out intentionally 
to someone that's younger. They're not looking for you. They're not going to take initiative with you. And that's a big lesson I had to learn. I was, especially in my early 20s, where are my mentors? How come people don't see how awesome I could be if they only helped me? I realized after a few years of crickets, it's probably up to me to take initiative with them. I wish it wasn't like that, but I think that's the reality. So don't wait for them to come talk to you. Be the one that takes initiative, as risky and vulnerable as it feels, to go and bring up a conversation to them. And I think, by and large, most people are not just open to that, but into that idea. If you pursue me as a mentor, I'm, you're, I'm stoked. You're, you're making me feel something, feel good, feel proud, feel um, uh, meaningful. I want to see myself as the kind of person who others seek advice for. So it's like it's actually a gift to pursue them and ask them for advice and to, and to sit down with them and, and put them in a position of a mentor. It's a gift to them. It might not seem that way, but it is. One of the things that's worked well for me, especially when I was younger, and I don't do it as much now, and, and maybe that's to my own fault, but just asking for help. So going and asking somebody who has experience or is good at something that you want to be good at and just asking for, for the help. I remember in my early 20s, I had broken up with a girl and her dad didn't know that I was dating her, but I knew her dad. And I went and said, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And I pulled him aside and I said, look, you don't know this, but I've been dating your daughter and it's not really going that well. And I don't know why, because I have a lot, really strong feelings for her. Like, I, you know her better than I, I anyone does. So what what should I do? And and I don't recommend if you're a guy listening is necessarily doing this. You have to understand your situation and you have to understand the dad. He was shocked that I did that. And but he, we, he, we just sat down and talked. And at that time in my life, he became a very important sort of emotional role model for me in a way that I don't think she ever knew. I think she just know, knows that that uh, like we became friends and he li liked me a lot. And uh, I didn't just show up at his doorstep like I, I knew him through some organizations that I was involved in. But he became a very important emotional role model, especially at a time where it was shortly after my dad had died. And I didn't really have like those male role models where I could sit and talk about some of these things that are part of being a human being. And so he shared a lot of experiences about himself and love and growing up and his relationships and some that worked and didn't work. And and I gained an immense amount from that mentorship, but it started because I just pulled him aside and I asked for his help and I just listened. Like I asked questions and I listened. And I've done this a few other times in my life and I've advised other people to do it. So I know that's something that works really well because usually like in his case, his kids don't really want to listen to him, right? He has his, uh, he has his own problems and challenges and things going on in his life. And he also has a, a, had an immense amount of wisdom that he could share if somebody was willing to listen. And so I just asked him, like I, I made myself vulnerable and I asked him to share and then I just listened and I think it was helpful for both of us in a lot of ways. Yeah. And yeah. what a gift you were to him. I, sure. I, I mean, I, I never really sort of thought about that, but I know as I get older, there's definitely things that I have to offer. I know people listen to this are like, Oh, I'm just now I'm going to call Chris and ask him daily yeah. advice. Like it doesn't, right. that that's a little hard because I built a business around it. But yeah. sometimes people approach me who are close to me. It's hard when people reach out through the internet, like, but when people, I meet people in my life and they need help with other things, uh, 
And I can see that it's authentic and I feel like there's things that I can share with. I mean, I had a guy who works for me this morning call me up and say, hey, Chris, um, he woke me up and uh, and I'm thinking, fuck, like we're supposed to, we have a call in two hours. But he said, he goes, well, my mom, I just found out, I'm devastated, I just found out my mom has cancer. And so he just wanted to talk. It's tough because as a, I, I just wanted to be there for him and support him. And for him, he's going through some one of the toughest things emotionally. And I didn't really know what to say other than he's like, I know that you've been through this before because my he knew that my dad died in my early 20s. And I said, well, I hope your mom gets better, but I want you to know a couple of things. One, I want you to know it's okay to feel like it's okay to talk about these things. Oftentimes people tell us to be strong, but it's okay. I mean, when my dad died, I woke up for a year crying every morning just about and uh it's re- really tough and i was trying to explain to him it's it's okay to feel it's okay to to talk about these things it's important that you do and it, understand that it's it's absolutely normal you're you don't need to be you don't need to be strong all the time but it's really tough because i didn't necessarily know what i should tell him other than share my experiences and make sure that he knows that he's loved that he's supported that if he needs anything, I'm there and it's okay. Like whatever he's thinking or feeling is, is okay. And so that leads my, me to my next question, which is you mentioned the idea of being a good mentor. I know for Craft of Charisma, my goal, we teach a lot of guys how do you, like, when they come in, they ask, like, how do I move things sexually? There's this girl I like. Uh, I, I, wa- I want to move things intimately with her. I broke up with my girlfriend. I want to get her back. I don't know how to approach girls. And, and these are all questions that, that we help people solve. But my overall goal is how do you develop healthy people, right? And so that's what I want. I want. I just want to develop healthy human beings. And so as a mentor or as an advisor, what are the qualities that make a good advisor or a good mentor? Because you, it sounds like you've thought a little bit about this. Yeah, that's the same heartbeat I have is to create healthy people. And I th- my my version of that, my definition of that is it's somebody that has answered those big questions. They know who they are and who they're not. They know what they believe in and it shapes how they make decisions. They know the kind of person they want to be. Uh, they know their story and where they come from. They know what they're about. They know how to give themselves away to others. They know that they belong to other people. And when you see that, those are core issues of identity and purpose and belonging. And when you are in um, not just clarity about that, but now organizing your life around those things you know to be true, that's where I think you just see healthiness come out of you. So the way we define it is, have you been through this process yourself? Have you clarified all these big questions? And are you uh, allowing those answers to your questions? to be what filters how you live and how you're in this world. And so there's uh, underneath that, there's things around emotional health and, and, um, and, and learning how to resolve conflict and, and apologize for things. And there's all these other qualities underneath that, but I think it at the core starts with understanding who you are and where you're going and the kind of people you want to be around and, and support by. Um, and, and once you have that, things come into clarity relationships career uh your sense of spirituality and faith um, the way in which you operate in the world that stuff becomes clearer afterwards not uh, necessarily in the midst of it so yeah i love that have be healthy be the healthiest version of you 
and then uh, don't worry about the relationships. They will come. You are attractive because you're healthy. It's not the other way around. I think that's great. So going back to the question of what makes a great advisor or great mentor, are you saying that it's having gone through the process and having come out the other side? Is it? Yeah, 100%. And because if you go through the process, you've, you've deep been down the deep dive of yourself. And you also have people around you that have helped you um, hear the truth, hear, hear the threads, um, find clarity, get confidence. And there are people now that will tell you when you're off track and they will remind you of who you are. And they'll say things like, hey, I thought you said you wanted to be generous. Well, you're kind of a dick lately. Uh, what's going on with that? And um, a true support system, people that truly uh, you've invited in to help you not only to find the clarity, but to stay on the path. Um, and, so, and that's so it's an ongoing sense of health. You don't just get healthy. You are healthy. You become healthy. You stay healthy. And when you aren't and when something's been triggered, you have the support system and the framework to get back to that. Yeah, I think that's I think there's a few important points there and a few things I sort of want to add on. One is tragedy will happen in your life. It's it's guaranteed that people around you are going to die. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to have setbacks. It is absolutely guaranteed that you will have tragedy in your life. There's a lot of people who are listening to this know what that means to them because they've had they already had these experiences and there's some who haven't who I who will have it and when they do have it they'll remember some of the things that we're talking about here so understand that you're absolutely going to have setbacks you're going to have a tragedy it's part of life and I think that the things that you're describing are really great tools for for not only working through some of these challenges but also some of the things that that we have to offer after we have. And, and I think that's really important. There's two things that also came to mind that I want to mention. One is, I feel very strongly about this. When you're in an advisor role, it's okay to say, I don't know. You don't need to have answers to every question because it's sometimes in life we just don't or our answers are shitty. <laughs> and 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 it's and there's a tendency, especially a lot of people listening to this are men, there's a tendency amongst men, somebody asks a question that we feel like we need to have an answer and, we, and that answer needs to be right. And I don't know if this is human nature or it's conditioned by our society, but the reality or conditioned by culture, but the reality is there's times where we don't know and there's times where our answers are better than other answers. And and having an awareness of that, I, I in my opinion, is pretty important. It's okay to say, I don't know, or I, you know, I, I I haven't really thought about this or this is my opinion on this, but somebody else might uh, have a better opinion uh, or better thoughts or better advice. And, and maybe these are some people that I might go to. You could recommend, you could recommend those people, but that's I mean, I just really want, want to establish that one, if you're a person seeking it, who feels like they need help, you do not need to have all the answers. And number two, if you're a person who seeks your, someone seeks your help, you don't need to have all the answers either, which leads, which leads me to my next point. And you sort of touched on this already, but I want to go into a little bit with a little bit more detail. And that's that you don't need the person who's the world's best at something in order to gain something from it, right? You don't need, you talked about mentors in your community and some of the best mentors I, I've ever had are people that I met when I went out and volunteered with a group or got involved in the organization and they integrated me into the group and became sort of a mentor. Um, but they're just everyday people. 
there's everyday people in your life or who are accessible within a degree of separation uh, that have done or can do a lot of the things that you want to do in your life. And even if it just gets you to the next step, right? So you don't, you don't need the person who's the absolute best at what you want to do. What you need to do is find somebody who can get you to the next step. At some point, you might outgrow that person. Then you find someone else who can get you to the next step. Eventually, you might end up the world's best at something, but maybe not. And even if you don't, that doesn't mean that you can't be immensely happy and successful at whatever it is that that thing that you want to learn. I mean, you mentioned uh, social media, which is awesome. I'm kind of going on tangents about uh, having people in your life that you could interact with and talk and ask questions. But social media, like in some ways does um, open up just about everybody in the world, but it becomes hard. If somebody has a million followers, how do you get their attention? And what I'm saying is you don't, you don't need to, you just, you just build your base and then you build your base and you build your base and that will give you the platform to continue to move higher and higher and higher. So my next point is, is that everyday people around you have a immense amount to offer. And so take if it you're looking. if you're looking for it. And, and then the third point I want to bring up is that your mentors don't need to be perfect. You're and you don't necessarily need to agree with them on everything. Totally. Yeah. You're not trying to um, mimic them, trying to learn from them. And like I said earlier, I think, uh, learning how they think might actually help you learn how not to think <laughs> just as much as it can by modeling after them. hundred percent. I agree. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I think that's a great point. Yeah. There are people that I look at how they do career or leadership or speaking or marriage or parenting. And I just want to observe and reflect on that because it's, it's the mirror back to me. It's like, eh, that's not, that doesn't work for me. I don't want to be like that. And um, it's, I don't know what you call that, like uh, an anti-mentor, <laughs> the anti-hero, <laughs> the villain, um, but it's valuable. It's valuable. And um, if you're, again, if you're listening for that and looking for that, I think you can get the clarity that you need by learning about how they do it. And so when I ask for advice, and I think when listeners, when you ask for advice from an advisor or mentor, it doesn't mean you're giving up your freedom to choose. It doesn't mean you're giving them control. It means you're asking for their advice and you need to take it not with a grain of salt. That is, like, I think most people mean like you can dismiss it. But I think you need to digest it and chew on it and, and pay attention to how you react towards it. I was having a friend, a call last night with a friend of mine and she was, she had started a company. It's doing quite well, but she was on a panel speaking at uh, some type of Google event. And her co-founder brought up some issues that were really, that bothered her from like two years ago where she didn't feel like fully supported. And she goes, well, yeah, I, I, I agree that I was like that. She just felt like absolute shit. But she goes, I, f I agree that that's true. But she also had her own sort of side of the story. And from my perspective, it sounded very valid. And we had had another talk a few weeks before and she was a little bit down because one of her advisors had told her that she had made a pretty big mistake. She invested in something where, uh, for the business and she was telling her she'll never get that return on that investment. And, uh, as we were talking through the more recent problems that happened with her co-founder and she sort of felt down on, um, we talked through that stuff. The next thing, as she started to feel better, she started talking about what was going well. And one of the things that was going well was that initial investment that she made 
that her advisor told her was a really shitty decision was working out really well. <laughs> and so so what I, I told her, I said, look, like you should take that story or, or take that experience and apply it to the other experience you're having with your co-founder. Like um, sometimes two people in life can or people care about us can give us advice and it can be wrong. Right. Like it, uh, it could be wrong or it could be wrong for our situation or it could be wrong for us. Usually it's not. I mean, th there's a reason why we have advisors, why corporations have advisors, why presidents have advisors. Why There's a there's definitely a reason why people surround themselves with advisors. But my point is um, your advisors are not always going to be right, even if they have their best your best interest. And I, I think that's a, um, another sort of important point. Now, Scott, this is absolutely awesome. I, oftentimes, I don't know what, when I do one of these interviews, what, um, yeah, where it's going to go and so where somebody's coming from, but it, like, it's absolutely awesome. I know we're getting a little bit short on time. If somebody's listening to this and they feel like they are, their life is not moving in the direction that they want, they feel out of alignment, they just don't, they feel off. Any last sort of recommendations on things they should be doing or thinking about? Yeah, on a very practical level, it's find a friend and, and let them know you want to talk about these kinds of things uh, to be specific and and not um, self-proclaim it at all. But if you go to our website, theuschool.com, we have not just free articles and we've got a free uh, version, kind of a light version of our fuller program to give to you to sign up on the blog. Um, but we have this program, this digital program that um, 149 bucks, which I, I think it could be thousands, um, to start going through these questions and grabbing some friends and advisors to share this stuff with. In a short amount of time, meaning like three months, I think you could, anybody could see extraordinary clarity about themselves. And I don't say that to try to sell something. I say that because it's been working in so many different kinds of people's lives, if you're willing to put the time into it. And so, if you're someone who senses this just isn't working the way life is going, uh, don't wait for the catastrophe to happen. Um, get ahead of that and take the initiative. And uh, I think that would be extraordinary self-care, love, compassion for yourself to say, you know what, I'm not pleased with where this is going. I'm not pleased with who I am or where my life is, where my relationships are, career, whatever it is. Therefore, I'm going to take some energy and invest it in exploring who I am and asking humbly for people to share that journey with me. So if you want, go to our website and be happy to send you some free stuff, but also connect you with some programs that can meaningfully change your life. That's absolutely awesome. But I was thinking about cartography and at one point somebody had to walk around in a lot of sort of unmapped areas and they had to sort of map them, right? So that people could, would be able to navigate them. And a lot of the questions that you're asking are about mapping somebody's lives, right? And that that's what it sounds like to me. And so you're mapping their lives. So that way, when you figure out where you want to go, you can you can figure out what is the best path to get there because you you have mapped your life. And so I think this is what you're describing is absolutely incredibly powerful. So uh, I want to thank you so much for sharing. So if you are listening to this and you want to learn more about Scott, we're going to post some links on the description of this podcast and on the Craft Charisma website so you can learn about him more easily. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate it. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. 
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.